long time ago, well, not that long ago, but long ago in terms of episodes of this podcast, I spoke to a guy named Lawrence Schur, who's the founder and CEO of an app, a web app called Shot Deck. But another thing you might know about Lawrence or Larry is that he shot a film called Joker and also the Hangover series. And he's a very accomplished cinematographer and all around great guy. And the funny thing is when I talked to Larry, we talked about Joker, we talked about filmmaking, but he mentioned that he had this, this thing he was working on called Shot Deck. And it was pretty awesome. I was pretty excited about it. And I had a feeling we'd be talking about it on No Film School again in the future or writing about it and that people would be using it. Well, I bring him up because he's back today to talk about Shot Deck along with a whole host of other app founders. These are people who have created the tools that I believe are changing how content is created. They already have changed things and they're going to keep changing things. And we did a roundtable all together. It was a webinar and all of you were invited. If you saw somewhere on No Film School or on our newsletter or maybe even me mention it on this podcast, but so today we're sharing with you the recorded, edited audio of our roundtable discussion because it was pretty cool. And it's always fun to hear from these people. We have Guy Goldstein, founder and CEO of Writer Duet. We have Gad Tish, founder and president of Crew Glue. We have Steve Vitolo, CEO and founder of Scriptation. And we have Zach Lepovsky, co-founder of Shotlister. And of course, we have Larry, founder and CEO of Shot Deck. Now, all these tools, this is the cool part, they do different things in your timeline and they work together and all these fellows have gotten together and found ways to talk to one another within their apps because they want to take you from soup to nuts on your production. This, my friends, is the future. Now, this industry we work in or you work in is a little resistant to change and technological advancement, oddly enough. But we talk about that and a whole lot more on today's episode. So I'm really excited to be able to bring to all of you these amazing guys and the apps they made. So here we go. Morning, everybody. Welcome to today's webinar, Future of Production, five must-have apps you need on set. I'm very excited. Um, we have a lot of guests and a lot to talk about and go through, and we're going to do a quick rundown of each one of these tools, and then kind of a roundtable discussion, talking about scriptation, crew glue, writer duet, shot lister, and shot deck. And we have the founders of each here to discuss. So it's a really cool opportunity. I'm really excited to be here. I'm George Edelman, editor-in-chief at No Film School and host of the No Film School podcast. Uh, no Film School is a great resource, educational resource for filmmakers at all levels looking to discover more news, technology, and just all kinds of educational resources related to filmmaking. So check us out, filmschool.com. Subscribe to the podcast. All right. I think we're going to get started here. I want to start by introducing Writer Duet and Guy Goldstein, the founder and CEO. Hello. Hey, Guy. You want to take us through the tool a little bit? Introduce it to us? Yeah. Uh, Writer Duet is known for real-time collaboration software. Uh, it's screenwriting software built for not only co-writing, but working on screenplays. And um, it's compatible with all standard screenwriting for- formats like Final Draft, other Fountain, PDFs, etc. And you can work and work with another writer in real time uh, from anywhere, including web and mobile and desktop. 
I want to introduce uh, Gad Tish, founder and president of Crew Glue. Hello, how are you? Thank you. I am Gad Tish, founder uh, and president of Crew Glue. Uh, Crew Glue is a production management solution for film and television crew, and we are honored to be here to discuss the future of production. Let's bring in Scriptation CEO and founder Steve Vitolo. Hi, Steve. Hey, everyone. Hey. Gad, you can stick around. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm Steve from Scriptation. A little bit of my background, I uh, worked as a script coordinator on a bunch of TV shows for a number of years, and I created Scriptation to solve the script revision process, which uh, Guy sort of taught, you know went through all the revisions and all the versions of jokes and everything like that. So what my experience was when I was working on a series, it was, actually, well, it was actually a pilot, and every single night we were put out a full 50-page script and everyone would take notes on that script, and then they would get the new script, and then they'd have to recopy all their notes and dump the old script. So I was wondering if there was a way we could do that digitally, but also transfer the notes across script revisions, and that's uh, how Scriptation was born. Let's jump over to Shotlister with Zach Lepofsky, the co-founder of Shotlister. Shotlister is an app that I created sort of similarly to Steve to solve a problem. I was, you know, had a shot list on the printed out on a piece of paper on the back of my AD, trying to do math in the margin to see how much time we had left in the rest of the day, how many shots we would be able to get. And just figured there's got to be a better way of doing this. This can't be the state of the art of shot listing in the world. And that was a long time ago. That was maybe. 13, 14 years ago. I can't remember. It was around the time the iPad came out. And we built this app called Shotlister. Let's uh, let's jump over to Shot Deck with Lawrence Scher. What's up, everyone? Thank you for having me. First of all, all this stuff is incredible. Amazing tools. Really happy to be here. And thank you for that. As, as others spoke to, you know, I was trying to solve a problem similarly. I'm a DP and a sometimes director, not as good director. I don't know. <laughs> okay, DP. I've shot movies like the Hangover series and Joker and stuff like that. And invariably throughout my process, and this went all the way back to like my early pitches, trying to get movies like Garden State, I would always be in need for reference material. And the reference material I was looking for were screenshots from movies to like express my vision, to put it in a pitch deck. But not just for decks, not just for pitching, but once I got the job, then a whole new process of needing research and reference material was needed. So I would go and buy used DVDs and I would grab screen grabs and put them in folders. And years after years of building these disparate folders across landscapes of, of hard drives and trying to find them, I was <laughs> like, God, I wish they were all keyworded in such a multitude of ways that I could find these all in a flash and be and have and have a real organization to them. I asked my dad who was retired, could you do it on Lightroom and just create a bunch of keywords? He said no, and so then I started building Shot Deck almost 8 years, 9 years ago. Kept it in beta really small for a little while and then launched it officially as like a, you know, a more public site May of last year. So we're almost at a year of like an actual official launch. It was in beta before that. Anyway, the essence of it is it's a tool for research and reference and inspiration. And it's just a massive database of images from movies and television. Everybody, thank you guys so much for going through. Um, I know we kind of abridged it a little bit. I want to open up now to just talking about all of these tools and the future in general. 
I want to start with and eventually get to some questions from our audience that keeps growing, honestly. But one thing a few of you mentioned and that I always think about whenever I'm looking at these tools is that this industry is slow to adapt and it doesn't like change. I mean, a lot of industries don't, but this particular industry will be like, no, I'd rather you keep writing it on a yellow legal pad. And I'd rather like printing out an IMDb, just that in of itself is funny. It's like, why would you waste paper to print it out? But they'll do that. So I think the question really to just start is like, you know, obviously you guys are at the forefront of pushing us forward by saying like, here's a solution, but how do we help as a community or as creators, as founders of tools, how do we help the industry adapt to this stuff and actually use it and actually get people like excited about integrating these different things together and and seeing it on set and not just being like, no, we're using this because I use it, but like having it show up and have it already be there instead of, you know, yeah, somebody right. says by convincing them how much time they will save. Yes, <laughs> that's the goal. But they don't believe you or they don't because to them, a new thing is scary and they don't learning is is a no. So let's yeah. talk about that. I have two two thoughts on that. One is when, was, when we were starting with Shotlister, it was like literally when the iPad had just come out. And people, the idea of using it to create or to work was almost, it was just, isn't that just for reading stuff, basically, or a big thing to take photos with? And I did talks to the DGA and stuff, and everyone was like, what's an iPad, basically? And there was a huge <laughs> amount of resistance. And, and like, why would I ever use the iPad for work or to create? That's just a thing to play games or to read. And so in the last 13, 14 years, there's been a dramatic shift in just people and some of it's been certain age, certain age aging out, <laughs> a new age coming in. But what I've done on my shows for all the new tech, like I was one of the first people pushing Slack on, on our film crews, uh, maybe like seven years ago, five, six, seven years ago. And, and there was a lot of hesitancy because, you know, they don't know why they, uh, why Slack would be better than just using email. And what we started to do which is one one way of answering the question is there was a bunch of it was like shotlister scriptation you know slack i would basically monday morning 9am every week in prep whoever just started that week their first meeting would be basically a a tech tutorial meeting where basically as they finished writing their paperwork to their start paperwork they would come into a room with me and i would just show them how slack worked show them how whatever apps we're using work in a like ask questions, it's okay to not know how this is going and did it every Monday morning. So they could even come back the next Monday morning if they still didn't feel certain about it. And there was always new people coming in and doing that all the way through prep doesn't necessarily get everyone who's going to be there during production, but it does go a long way. Cause I started seeing the gaffer who was, you know, in his sixties showing his best boy, how cool Slack was when I was on set and they didn't know I was standing, there, you know? And so it can trickle down through to production. That was one way of just on a ground level of your crew, how to do it is just do a, a Monday morning tech tutorial meeting. Something else, I think this is on the app makers too, is fitting it in the process rather than saying you have to change your process because of this. Mutation mm. as an example, that does it really well. You get a PDF. No one's asking you, how did you open your PDF and make awesome notes until you do it and they want to steal your cool tricks. Mm. Right away, being compatible with Final Draft. You can import your Final Draft, right? Export your Final Draft. No one cares. They're all getting an FTX file in the end. And I think a lot of these apps, I think all these apps do that, where an individual can take advantage of them, get something powerful, make their life better, and then just pretend they just are a genius who saved 12 hours of their life and everyone else is impressed by them. 
I, you know, I, I think from the like founder perspective and, you know, we've all probably made 4,000 mistakes in this, but one of the, you know, the biggest mistake I made was trying to go to the top and trying to sell scriptation, let's say on the, on the studio side. And I would say, well, here's the advantage for everyone on the crew. And a lot of those executives had never worked on a show or any, you know, they didn't really know what was going on in production. So I'm trying to trying to explain the problem of a script revision process. And if you have to explain the problem, they're not going to buy the solution. So I, I think, you know, for a lot of us, we just have to, you know, we understand that the, the issues and we have to build the better mousetrap. And if it gets in people's hands, and I, I think, you know, as far as, you know, scriptation and, you know, shot lister, we're just putting it on the iPad, on the iPhone, and we're getting it out there. And it's something, you know, with a lot of these apps, it's, you know, for scriptation, it's very demonstrable. You have one person on set that's using this thing and it's saving them time. And then there's a script revision that comes and someone that's using scriptation is ready to go. And someone that's not is fumbling through paper. That's sort of slowly, you know, you have to do it from the bottom up and from the ground level. And then if what you, you know, build and your app and your software is good, then it's going to get adoption because it's very stressful. <laughs> this job is very stressful. There are only so many hours in a day and you're going to want to find the best tool that is working for you and for everybody else. Your career in virtual production starts here and now. Earn your spot on tomorrow's set with Synapse Virtual Production in LA by enrolling in RIT's immersive 10-day course this June. An exclusive experience in LA, you'll get the foundation you need to grow your career in a virtual production studio, the kind behind the groundbreaking effects seen in Disney's The Mandalorian and Marvel's Avenger films. Limited seats are available. Learn more and enroll today at vpritcertified.education. That's vp.ritcertified.education. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah, I think the using it, the people who have the problem using it and solving the problem and then it becomes contagious because they've seen that instead of trying to introduce it as like, hey, here's this thing that we have to use. I like that take. Does anyone else have thoughts? Because the other thing is like change is scary, right? How do you make it not scary too? Larry, you had something? No, I was saying I think all of us have probably experienced that the number one thing that sort of sells the, the tool is word of mouth, right? So like the first person like Jendra in the comments mentioned, she had sort of pointed me out to scriptation a while ago. And, and it's like that process of transferring notes is something I didn't even know was solvable. Right. It was like, but I, I suffered through it for decades. Right. And so it's like, it's just a matter. I, I agree also that if you go to the top, they're the least likely to change because they're super ingrained in their, in their ways. And now Warner brothers is being run by, you know, some reality. <laughs> Like, discovery awesome. or something what was that today yeah right. but then, it's but, like, but it's like point, so they're not going to change right they're like they've never they're artist people to sort of like you know and i was imagine with something like crew glue because i feel like what you're trying to solve in your in your thing which is incredible 
there are sort of things that have happened maybe in the last four years, whether it's like, you know, the 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 big studios trying to get people all to sort of coordinate in ways. But it's like they're still not the greatest pieces of technology. And so there's they're still not sort of being built in a way that really solves the problem. But they're at least starting to adapt some of those things, which I assume is are some of your competitors for Hulu or something. But but I think your service does it in a way that's, I think, a little bit more exciting than Box or, you know, Picks or. You know. They don't know the problem also because they haven't lived with it in a lot of situations. So you're providing the solution to the people who have the problem is is a much better idea than even though they're not necessarily writing the checks. They may be the ones who come in and they're just like, now That's I right. use this thing because it's faster. And nobody well, above is going to be like, yeah. you know. You look at Frame.io, which was competing against big, big companies. And I think they solved some problems better than than some of those companies that, that were sort of ahead of the game on them. And maybe just because they were a little bit more on the streets. But I do believe you got to be in the trenches. It's like. The people that build it because it was a problem they were having are always going to build, I think, a better tool. As well, plus, to like, an idea that somebody told them was a problem, right? Because you're going to the vast. I'm sure it's the same for most of you guys, but the vast majority of our users come from people just hitting Google and going, "How do I solve this problem?" <laughs> so, like, people don't necessarily know that these apps exist, but they know that an app must exist to solve this problem, and so they search for it and then end up finding it. And then, yeah, word of mouth of basically I, people that have solved that problem. I'm probably responsible for 10% of the shot tech users myself telling, <laughs> telling, telling people about it every day. And that's why we've always found too, like in every opportunity we give the app away because it always leads to way more sales because just having people use it leads to people being excited to tell other people about it. There's a great point in the comments from Ken. Some of the issue is generational. A lot of it is based on the time pressure of learning something new, which I think that there is... It's an industry where there is a lot of pressure to succeed and not make any mistakes. And there was a, a mention earlier too of like, it's okay to come into that early morning sprint on Mondays where you talk about all the tech, not tech we're using and, and ask questions and not know. Cause I think being creating a sense, a safe space of like, Hey, there's a couple of things we're using here. You might not know about. Nobody's going to get mad at you or, or lecture you if you screw up with it initially. Like then there's maybe a little bit less of that. Well, I've always done it this way. And I don't want to get my head chopped off because, you know, I forgot to use the strip board because I only ever use the strip board because there is a lot. It's the trenches can be very like life or death, you know, <laughs> fair or not. But yeah, I think it's incumbent on the apps also, like you said, the second nature thing. I think they have to be second nature instantly where something is better the moment you use it. So no one's going to regret that first like, OK, I went to the you know app or site or whatever and I did something and my life is suddenly better. Okay, well, I say, you know, something now, maybe I'll invest a little bit of time to see what else in my life could get better because of that. And I think having those like instant wins is important for the audience. They, they, you need to come there for a purpose that you achieve immediately. And I want to point out that each of you went through and, and got in pretty deep on a lot of your tools. But at the very surface level, I can speak from experience. There are things you can gain out of them immediately without going to any of these advanced functions. The advanced functions are kind of exciting. But there's some stuff that happens instantly that is better than the alternatives. And that's kind of why those deeper things are make them stickier long term. But I think that just to try out and find out exactly that it's like, if it's just, oh, I can write with my writing partner at the same time. Or, oh, I can find every shot that I want that looks like a hospital and then decide which one I want to use to pitch my look. 
or I can just like sign everybody up in my crew and not have 10 files, folders, like it just be like central localized, like organizationally as an AD or production manager. That's huge. So I think there's quick things to gain. What are some problems you guys see that you still want to see solved that you haven't seen solved yet? I think one that comes to my mind and it's things like this is like, there's lots of people like us creating lots of cool things. It's very difficult to get them all to talk to each other. Different file formats and different sharing platforms and different cloud systems. You know, I think one of the biggest requests we always get is about, can you connect to this and that? And can this connect to this? But then if that person changes their app, it breaks the connection, you know, so getting, mm. I think one of the biggest, you know, and Steve and Guy, everyone's been good at, we are sort of a community of, of apps, but it's one of the biggest challenges, not just from a technological perspective, but just from an organizational perspective of getting, getting all the different platforms, because there's so many different ones, and some of them compete, and none of us really compete, but some of them do compete. And, you know, from a user perspective, you almost want that Apple-like experience of you've got 20 apps and they all perfectly talk to each other. And, you know, some of that works, you know, with having Final Draft as a file format that we can all open as sort of, but again, that's a proprietary format that they can change at any time. So like the nature of that is one of the challenges for sure. It's a really good point. I love that you guys have, you're a a Justice League or an Avengers or whatever of like the, we want to put this together so people don't have to figure out, they can use only this isolated thing. It doesn't talk it's not friendly with those other tools, like more tools that take you from A to Z workflow wise. It's a, that makes it so much easier to adopt. And I think, you know, everyone here is an expertise in their particular thing. <laughs> so, you know, Guy is that, you know, writer duet is a piece of writing software and doing that really, really well. And I think that's really the advantage of, you know, Get it staying in your lane, doing your thing really well, and then talking to each other. Because I think, you know, an issue at the studios is they have some of these bigger companies where they create these products that, one, they don't have to be good because the studio's already using it and they have big contracts. And then they try and do everything for everyone. And mm-hmm. I think for us, and this is, this is the way it works, you know, everyone's going to find their own product and it's like, okay, this does, this app does that thing really well. And I think what we would all like, and, you know, is, is a challenge. And I think we've all sort of, you know, a lot of us have spoken to each other about how we can work and it's hard, but I think for the users, obviously, like we would all love for the apps to be talking to each other and just, and not in a way that we're dictating what needs to be done for the user, but a way that a user can say, oh, well, this is something that's going to help me and is going to save me some time if I can integrate this app with another app. That's, I mean, that's the promise of Proglue. I mean, we've already done that with Movie Magic and Scriptation and lots of other cloud repositories and TripGrid, and we're continuing to add more integration partners. I mean, from my experiences on sets, as much as we started getting laptops were becoming more predominant and technology was evolving the hardware. At the same time, as we see even with COVID, now everybody's digitized, but that's aggravated a problem. And we do have more paper now and more data reconciliation and wrangling that we have to do. So there should be ways like we showed with our day tracker or our daily time reports, or even the way we can take a a shooting schedule from movie magic and create call sheets and daily production reports out of there. We don't want anybody having to start from scratch 
And as we said, they've been doing that for over 100 years. So they're, they're overdue for modular applications that aren't monolithic, as we've been drowning in. And there's a lot of opportunity. And certainly these panels and what's ahead will only drive that. You know, there's a, a lot of, as you said earlier, George, it's, it's all about the stickiness, more the rubber meets the road. And I certainly, our first pass at this was a massive failure because we just built a really sexy app that made the call sheet look nice and all of this look nice. And there was no where uh, crew can actually use it and start integrating their workflows. And as soon as we started connecting to Gmail and Movie Magic and all these other tools are using every day, you know, we took off. You know, you bring up something you brought up initially because you, you started with the 1880s <laughs> and like the true pain point here really is that there's so much waste of both of time as a resource, but all just general resources in this process because there's a lot of antiquated connective parts. So the, the, the quicker you can solve those problems or connect things faster, the more people are going to get to the creative stuff in a timely manner and actually execute the things they want to do. It's going to enable, because the pain point is like, is paperwork or like slowdowns or like messaging. And like, so these tools speed up the process and make it more effective in theory. And I think that's going to make sets at any level or production at any level better. Well, I think it's, it's the building blocks. I mean, at the end of the day, I think a lot of the challenge is also, we know the production day is extremely long. And if you're lucky, it ends in 12 hours, but most of the time it's about 14 to 16 hours. So no matter how fast your app is going, your director might want to take 27 takes at the end of the day. So those things are always things that we are beholden to. But this is the beginning of getting into further operations and logistics so that with a shot lister and all these other products out there to start making uh, scheduling and the planning a lot more efficient so that we can start cutting on those hours. Because as I said, the crew is overdue for this efficiency. And the fact that I can know that Tom Holland should be in a movie in March and sold in like Eastern Europe, but I still can't figure out how the crew can have a life. is completely wrong. Yeah, that that's a great point. And Shotlister, I love that it can. It, so you're solving a problem for the director who may be anxious about getting everything he or she needs. But you're also solving a problem for a crew that wants to get home and live a life, right? Like, so these things all feed into everybody's workflow, really. I think one of the other interesting things that happened with Shotlister that it's probably true of some of these other apps as well is I think there was a, there's a old culture of sort of secrecy on sets to some degree, especially amongst directors, like protecting their shot list and not making sure no one knows it so that they don't get in trouble if they don't get it all or something like that. I'm not quite sure where it comes from. But this sort of idea of protecting information so that your, your head doesn't get chopped off, I guess. Whereas if you embrace transparency of information, share the information as widely and as early as possible. You know, with Shotlister, the, the makeup trailer can be three miles from set and have a live look of how, of, oh, we're actually a little bit behind from where we thought we would be. You know, maybe I won't put on, I'll check to see if I should put that prosthetic on yet or whatever the case may be. And we've found like producers who, in my experience, like when producers would normally be on your neck, like in that last hour of the day, like freaking out, they aren't because they know that, you know, producers usually their biggest concern is that they want to make sure that you know that you're in trouble. <laughs> and <laughs> by being able to show them like, I know we're in trouble and this is the plan, then they just relax. They don't need to have you do their plan. They just need to know that you have a plan. And that's true of the whole crew. Having 
you know, we, on, on the shows that I direct, we send the shot list out to the entire crew with the distro the night before with a description of like, we're going to start here. It's going to be a tough day. We're going to have to crunch to make sure we get this before the sun goes down and we're going to do this. And, and everyone in the crew has that shot list timed out. And it just solves so many problems that we don't even know are problems because people go, oh, they're going to need the crane built an hour before I thought I was going to be called. And just things just solve themselves with, with transparency of information. So I think all of these tools are, are ways of, of communicating more broadly and changing that culture. There's so much to that idea of transparency and sharing, which it seems like a lot of our, our guests also appreciate. But that with, so with shot deck, for example, transparency of everything that goes into creating one of these shots instead of hiding it, but actually using it to try and inspire people or set them off in a direction. And I, for my first few times on sets with budgets, line producers I worked with weren't going to even show me how they built them. Like they didn't want anybody to know. It was, those were their keys to the kingdom. Those were not for me to use. And I think about scriptation, like that transparency of notes, like knowing what other teams are looking at or being given in terms of these are the notes they're going to follow. This is the floor plan that they're going to look at. And these are the director's notes. It makes everybody on the team feel like they're a part of the same team pulling in the same direction and not like they're being limited because they're less than or, or not a part of that process. Yeah, and hopefully the insane demand on crew today with all the productions makes that tribal knowledge less anxiety-ridden, that like you can get another job, you're not going to give away everything and never be hired again, because it's just insane right now. There are so many productions, and that job security isn't as you know acute as it used to be, I guess. There is a question here that I find sort of interesting that came in. Do you think the use of these apps on union shows is limited because the perception of apps and higher tier shows are reluctant to change, or it makes sense that low budget non-union shows adapt faster and then kind of give you more of an indie perception. And that's, you know, from no film school's perspective, always an interesting thing because, you know, no film school's audience is, is large and it includes people who've been working for years and people who are just starting. But this idea of DIY or new solutions always comes with a, a connotation of low budget indie, not necessarily that people at the top are also looking to solve problems, which they are, by the way. <laughs> so like, it's, it's sort of a misconception that like, just because something is a solution to a problem, oh, it's, it's bigger. So we'll do it the old way. You know, we'll do it the, the slow way. It's not necessarily the case. Everybody's looking for efficiency and solutions. But do you guys have thoughts on that? I'll also say we're at this panel to meet more non-union shows because I would say 99% of the productions we've been on have been all union. So most of our productions, over 400 productions last year, over 99%. I mean, it's really where we've been in. So we are hoping to go further downstream, but we have seen a lot of adoption uh, and a lot more openness. Like all the studios, as much as they give everybody a production binder, there are also vendors that they have a list of. And if you inquire with the studio, they will tell you people, as Steve and I have uh, shared a lot of horror stories about, but we are approved and they are opening that up and they're a sourcing team. So certainly it isn't, the studios are more open to it and uh, a lot more is happening. We're seeing a lot of change there for sure. Yeah, I would assume that's true for a lot of you guys. I would assume it's a misconception that that's the way things usually go, but I'm curious to hear from each of you as well. Um, there was a movement over, the, I don't know if you guys felt this, but there was a movement over the past two years, let's say, to get a lot of apps approved that weren't previously approved. You know, Scriptation is in a weird position here because it's an app. You know, Shotless is the same way. You can just download it and start using it. So what approval 
do you really need for that? <laughs> You're going to tell people not to use Gmail or something, you know? But I think for us, it's been kind of weird because we had pushed back at the top on the studio level. Yet when we were adopted by a show or a feature, it was the biggest show on television. <laughs> so be- because it's the people on that show had the power to say, we're using this. And then they go to the studio and say, okay, we got to get this thing going. So for scriptation, it's been sort of a strange journey where we've, you know, given, you know, it go, you start and you're giving it to everyone on the crew and then it sort of works its way up. And we don't have, I would say like our studio or enterprise clients are not the mid shows. It's the, it's the really high level shows that everyone's heard of that has the clout to say, we want to use this piece of software. And the studio is like, sure, whatever you guys want to do. Yeah, we've had the same experience. I mean, I think earlier, 13 years ago, it was definitely mostly the smaller shows, I think, because, but that, I don't think that was because of a studio issue. It was more because of the filmmakers at the beginning of their careers were more eager to look for tools because they were still forming their habits. Whereas all the directors at the DGA sort of had their habits <laughs> and they were happy with them and they weren't looking for a, to solve a problem. Whereas people at the beginning of their careers were looking to solve a problem, plus they needed to be more efficient because they didn't have as much crew and as much time. And then over the last 13 years, that's shifted a lot. We've, you know, a lot of those people have gone into bigger positions. But like Steve's saying, in the last two years, we've had triple, you know, $100 million movies and massive TV series start adopting it because of auteurs basically just telling them I'm using this. And and then, then we get a call from the studio security team exactly. and we tell them, a, a call it or is what it is. through support. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, this, is, this is like every month where we get the same thing over and over again, where it's someone is saying, oh, I want to use this. And then you go through these approvals and it's like you're starting over every single time. I think there's a certain bracket that's aging out that didn't want to change and had because they had a system that worked perfectly fine for them. And the think new, about- newer bracket of people that are more just grew up with devices... Uh, and think about the people who are, who are young now. Think about the ones who are much, much younger than any of us and not working. And they're even more clued into what devices are going to work for them and what apps and software. And they're going to be the ones. They're going to adopt these tools, which is why everyone should start messing around with them to learn about them. Because all these tools we've talked about today are going to become more and more important. Because more and more of the people who are already in there, the gatekeepers are going to become reliant upon them or have expectations. And as that just shifts upwards, you're going to need to be versed in those tools. So yeah, it's a smart move for anybody aspirationally to start testing them out and knowing how they work. Yeah. So to answer the question from a writer duet perspective, it's writing software, which makes it so much easier. And I feel not bad for you guys that you have to deal with all this, but I mostly don't have to think about any of this stuff because writers are typically writing stuff well before anyone is paying them, uh, even a lot of professionals. <laughs> and so they're making the decision on their own. And you know, even if they bought a pitch, no one's asking, and what software are you writing your, your first script in? Uh, so it tends to only matter the writing software for like TV shows, maybe after they're going. And then it's honestly just decided, like you know, said, is by the showrunner. And if the showrunner is already you know, happy with it or, or they're using it, it's going to be a tough sell to tell them not to write in the software they want. And probably no one's even going to ask because it doesn't come and, up very often. And Shot Deck occupies a similar space where it's going to be for a lot of people creatively and prep. But when it comes to collaborating, 
if you want to make new collaborators and you want to know what they're doing and you want to look at the things they've done and you want to add to it or annotate it, that's where things like knowing how to use those tools becomes important as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but the interesting, the biggest barrier to entry that I think on some of these apps, and it doesn't, it's a little, it's it's marginal on our on our service, but a little bit more with Google and scriptation, you know, is the security issues. Because if as the projects get more high profile, like then the script becomes red, it can't even be photocopied. So like the fear of God of this script getting out is probably to me like the biggest barrier but you guys clearly have had to get over that hump because to me that would be the biggest thing if i was like a director and i'm like hey i want to use scriptation or i want to like transfer all this stuff it'd be like okay go jump over this massive wall to get through the security barriers but god you know good on you guys for for getting through that i'm sure the first big one one to get through was it was a huge curve and we have that with sometimes like because we don't share a bunch in there, but we have ability to share. But we've had some of our enterprise clients, which are studio clients, ask about like, well, because really what you're doing is you're building an inspirational deck. But if that inspirational deck, let's say, is for Black Adam, they still don't want that shared until Black Adam comes out, right? Right. So I was going to say those, some of those issues. Yeah. For when sure. you start working on the board for Joker 2, not that it's been. <laughs> Trust me, it's, That's a folder, it's a folder already. And I'm sure like. Warner's doesn't want that folder to get out, right? So, yeah, don't screen share that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, with so I would say with Gad and, and Krublo, he probably has the toughest go at it, and God bless him for getting it approved. Gad, I'm sure you can you can speak to this and how difficult. Yeah, I mean, let's. Yeah. Steve, and you can see the attendees. I can. How many studio people are here? So I know whether I can. I don't know the answer to that. Well, I <laughs> it's going to show a hand. Live on YouTube, the chat. So got their spies everywhere. <laughs> I mean, but let's be honest. You know, it, it, it's on a lot of things we hit on, and and how we're sitting here today. Things are changing at a quick pace. Netflix redefined everything. The studio system is over, and there is a new world order. I think everything is changing, and honestly, I think you can speak to this as well. Being on like a super tier sh- one show is the worst. You're going <laughs> to they're going to make feel guilty for being on a big show. They'll spend months and months putting you through five different prostate exams. So really the opportunity, like it is with every other industry, it's about product-led growth. That's what we all are, as we touched on a few times. It's it's at that user level. The people in the trenches are going to push this up. And we see this in every industry. And we see Netflix make an example of the studios this way. And it's no surprise that Netflix is also creating software. They've n- never used Synchronize. You know, and they said right away, we're not a content company, we're a data company. So, you know, the opportunity is massive here. And I think studios are waking up to it because their output is so monstrous now that they might have to say, you know what, if you do have some money left, we'll take it. Whereas now there are no incentives for production managers to come in under budget. And if they call and say they have money left, they have to go spend it. So all of that has to change. And obviously we'll come from the bottom up. And, uh, you know, all of it's going to change. I mean, globally, we see how content is and all these new production companies coming to the fore. Everything's changing. I mean, it really is changing. And I think gone are the days of these five or six places that get to dictate everything that happens. So, you know, we have a really exciting wave that's coming through here and uh, we're all going to benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah, you make a great point. We've been talking about movies and television, content in a larger umbrella. 
is so massive and all these tools apply, uh, whether it's corporate videos, commercials, or music videos, or I don't know, TikToks, like there's literally no, like the massiveness, and we know this in no film school too, like it's expanding at a crazy rate. So yes, we're talking about some of that, like kind of the, the fun stuff, the, t- the upper tier stuff, you know, that actually can be not fun, as, as you mentioned, but like there are so many ways people take advantage of these tools, not just on those movies and shows. And I do wonder, I asked everybody here, have you been getting, as George just hit on, because I know in the last few months, I am getting a lot more solicitation from that spectrum. Not to say we're still in, you know, our wheelhouse, but it, it has been amazing over these last few months, seeing this new, you know, content creation and how massive that ocean is and how many people are in it and that everybody's a content creator today. Anybody? Are you guys getting more, you know? Are yeah, you seeing- I mean, I know, like, it, I, I thought early on, you know, when building it, that it was going to be a little bit more of the entrenched sort of filmmakers that were pitching and all that. But our what we've discovered is one, we have a lot of people that are just DIY that wouldn't even fit into the uh, the sort of spectrum, but are making stuff and using the site like crazy and ways in which like some of the users are surprising in, in terms of where they come from. Because in a way, like like we've all talked about, some of the entrenched filmmakers they're just not building decks. They're not even <laughs> like they have people under people under people doing that for them. And those are the people using shot deck. Whereas they're not, <laughs> they're not trying to solve those problems anymore. Cause they're like, all right, you know, I got people for this. Whereas the people that are trying to get those jobs and the, they're the ones who really are, are using it like crazy. Same for us. I would say we, we do have a, I would say the biggest single group is probably LA filmmakers and stuff, but, they are tiny compared to the amount of people around the world and, right. you know, and, and people that are doing wedding videos in Istanbul and doing corporate exactly. videos in, in Germany and doing, you know, uh, you know, cause especially our app is really helpful for people who have a small crew, maybe not even have an AD. They kind of got a few people in one on their iPad. And that's actually one of the most rewarding parts is getting emails from some province in China being like, we love, this was so great on our short film, you know, <laughs> kind of, and that, when you add up all those people, it's way more than sort of even just the Hollywood shows, if you will. Um, well, these tools all democratize the process, yeah. right? And they make it global. <laughs> like you can write your script with anybody anywhere. You can share your deck with anybody anywhere instantly. You can hire like, so I think that's the other thing that they, they, oh, they help open that gate and widen that corral, you know? Well, one of Scriptation's big projects over the next couple of months is to localize because we've, just seen from our data that, you know, scriptation is used all over the world now in countries that don't speak English. And we said, well, it'd probably be a good idea to do it, to have scriptation in their native language. So that that's a big project for us. But, you know, being able to have a website, being able to put an app out in the app store that goes everywhere this is, you know, something that's really been fun. So you can, you know, just put your product out there and see where it gets adoption, see what users are coming. And I think, I think this is, you know, a lot of our development is guided by this is probably true for a lot of you, but it's guided by user feedback. So we have this one idea for the app and for, and then, okay, this segment is using it and these people are using it and okay, maybe let's build features for them or let's do an added feature for this uh, department. And, you know, it, that, it is totally democratized. And as 
founders of companies, we're, we're listening to all the feedback we get because we want to serve, you know, certain communities and factions that use the app. Very interesting. You can see even with countries where they have infrastructure that is in some ways very modern versus the United States because they didn't have all those decades of building infrastructure that we did. And so internationally, in a lot of ways, same thing with screenwriting software as an example. Well, if they haven't been tied to Final Draft for you know 20 years, they can just pick whatever they think is genuinely best. And they don't have to argue about, well, everyone else uses it. Well, everyone else uses nothing um, in some cases or a word or whatever in a lot of countries around the world. And so there's a lot of advantages for those people, I think picking the right technology. And the nice thing is, Field America can do that too. And they, they are doing that and they should do it. But we can sort of take the approach of, we just trust people to make good decisions and find the best thing in their process. If they aren't using anything yet, it's even easier for them to make, make that decision out of the gate. We could keep going, I think, for a while. <laughs> and we have, but I do kind of want to wrap it up a little bit and maybe go around one more time. There's, there's a question that I feel like is a good one to end on in a way, which is, uh, since I've been using Shot Deck since beta, I've evangelized its use to everyone I can. However, as a 20 year old non union member, do you think our generation will eventually be accepted with our use of efficiency multipliers? I kind of want to go around and everybody kind of talk on that for a second and, and do a, you know, a farewell. And, and, and throw out again any information you want about, about your tool. Yeah, I'm constantly looking towards the people way younger than me for those things. Whether it was like, remember that Zach King guy who was like YouTube creating these incredible like VFX videos? That guy became like my hero. I'm like, that guy should be the VFX supervisor on some huge movie. Like not the other way around. Like he's mm-hmm. figuring it out in an incredible way, but not just ways that are impressive, but just ways that are, are innovative and fun, right? And so to me, I have to constantly, even though like, you know, my team is like, let's get on Discord. I'm like, not another one. But it's like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm that guy because I'm still 52 and and I'm still, you know, that curmudgeon. But like, I that doesn't mean, I just go, I'm an old guy can, you know, but I, I don't dismiss them. I go, that's amazing. Let's do it. So I'm like constantly going, I want to understand what, but people that are trying to like the, what I was 25 years ago, like scrapping and all the stuff that I have to remind myself to do that again. I'm like, love all those things. So to me, follow their lead rather than the other way around. Like they shouldn't copy our old, you know, archaic methods. Like that's the worst, right? Like when you're in a meeting and you see that sort of attitude of like, well, that's not how it's done. That's the worst. Like that always bums me out. Because you're like, no, let's figure out a better way. There's always ways to make things more efficient. You know, I've got a folder, a little like, you know, moleskin journal of all the kind of shit I want to build. You know, I want to like find out how to get a gift for my wife. I want a better app for that. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> That'll I'm be in the next like, round table. This is a problem. Let's solve it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who's going to build that app? I want that. I want to build it. Anyone want to come in with me? I got a good idea for it. Honey, honey, uh, it's not my fault. The app said you would love it. It's not my <laughs> fault. Exactly. Zach, let's hop over to you then. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes from whoever's passion. And, and you know, no one's ever going to say, if you have an app that it's just a way of finding a way to fit it into the system you're in, some sets are going to be more accepting than others. Some cultures are more open to change than others. It usually comes from the top down. So if there's someone at the top that's looking for innovation, like Lawrence, then that's your opportunity to, to kind of spread it. But my basic experience is if you're at, if you're 20 years old and you're just starting at the industry, like you and all your peers are going to grow up and become the industry. And so 
it might not happen. All the, all the changes and all the things that you, you're excited about may not happen tomorrow. They may, you know, it might be a case where you, you have that opportunity, but it will eventually for sure happen because that's just how the world works. And if it doesn't build an app and make it happen. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, let's go over to Steve. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I started this app when I was super young <laughs> because uh, of an idea I had and now I'm old. <laughs> but so, you know, I, I'm kind of an example of trying to create something that is is changing the way we do stuff. And we all like probably had the pain point. I mean, when I, when I was on that pilot, I was working with a showrunner that was a constant rewriter. And we had two weeks between the table draft and when we were shooting, it was a, it was a multicam. And the showrunner was putting out, a, it was one, once we put out the script twice, 50-page script in the morning, and then at night, unlocked script. So everyone is was feeling this, like, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. And someone was like, okay, well, maybe we could do something about it. And I talked to everybody else. And I said, uh, if there was, uh, would you go digital? And for a range of, you know, 20 to 70. And there was like, you know, maybe I would, I don't know. And it's like, well, what if we could transfer your notes? Okay, sure. I will learn whatever I have to do. You tell me if you could, if you do that, I will, you know, buy your app. So I think for someone who's starting out in the business, there are so many, the, the barriers to entry or even starting out in the business are, are incredibly low. And the barriers to entry for all of the software that we're putting out there are incredibly low. And you could experiment and find the best tools that work for you, whatever it is. Maybe it's you know seven different tools that you're using because that's going to make you the most efficient filmmaker. So all of the things are there. And I think as you know what Zach said, and if it's not, you want to find a better way to do something, build it. Yeah. Uh, Gad, you want to hop in on this topic? Sure. I'll quote a very good singer. I believe the children are our future. So, <laughs> you know, we're going to teach them well and they're going to lead the way. Right? <laughs> yes. Stop. But no, seriously, <laughs> well, if we look at every other industry, this is inevitable. I think we touched on it a few times. You know, productions will be working out of some platform or dashboard where they can connect to all their crews and it's going to be some app marketplace or something like that where everything will just centralize and be a true ERP system. And we're, we're moving in that direction for sure. And we see a lot of work from movie labs and all these other organizations that are trying to standardize things. You know, So we do have a lot of standardization to work for shooting schedule, the script, the shot list, uh, day out of day, all these documents, even if I'm not using EP or any other software, they, they haven't really standardized to unlocking all that data and moving things along will be a lot easier. So I certainly think we don't have these conversations without that young generation already pushing forward and adopting all these tools that brought us together. So again, I believe the children are our future. And certainly stuff, are. Some stuff's gonna some stuff comes out of necessity, like COVID created circumstances in which you actually had to direct and shoot stuff remotely, which was like unheard of, except Hitchcock would have loved it, right? Like he would have embraced that technology if it existed in his day. He'd, he'd be sitting at home directing the birds for sure, right? And so it's like 
that brought on a bunch of, I think, the fact that we now all use Zoom and we didn't even use Skype, right? So like those kind of things will be brought on and then suddenly technology becomes a necessity, not just like this efficiency thing. It, and, and I think these tools are an example of that as well. So For sure. Guy, wanna, you want to take yeah. us home here? Sure. My thing about efficiency is it's not about efficiency for efficiency's sake. It's efficiency to create better art and to do better work. And that's why you're going to be not accepted, but demanded. They were like, well, that person makes all this amazing content and people are going to want that. Like whatever skill you have, if you're multiplying, you're getting better. It's not just that you get better content in the moment. It's that you can iterate so much faster. You can make three short films because you're using these great tools to help you make it. Or you can make, you know, whatever shots that you're trying to demonstrate how wonderful your art is. And you can keep trying and trying and trying while other people might take days to make something that you can do in hours. And I think that will be the thing that differentiates, let's call it the next generation, is they make better content because they learn from all the cool things and brilliant things that people foundationally did. Then they could iterate and test faster and faster with modern technology. And even like just as an example, they can see the flaws in it reach out to the companies. I'm sure everyone here would love to hear from anyone in the audience who just has an idea or a thing they want, how to make that person's life better so they can create better art. We'll probably try to do that and make it better for you. And then you will again have another multiplier so you can make better quality work. That's all we want. That's what we all want you to do. Uh, yeah. It, it, the expansion of the capacity for more people to create different, better things that it's unique to them it enriches all of us because we get to watch it or see it or experience it or be inspired by it. That for me is the motivator. I want to thank all of our panelists for doing this, for having me just to help talk. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for attending and so many great questions and comments. I haven't had time to answer or read, but some really kind words have been said and we all appreciate that. And, and thank you all again so much for doing this. Thanks, George, for running this. Uh, I love No Film School, so I appreciate you. you Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> be a part of it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Talk Thank to you soon. Thank you. All the best. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Guy, Gad, Steve, Zach, and Larry for all coming to the webinar, for talking to all those people live, for being on the podcast as well, and for creating these cool apps. Be sure to check out Writer Duet, Crew Glue, Scriptation, Shotlister, and Shot Deck. They are all really interesting just to get started with. They're going to teach you things about the process. They're also going to make you more effective filmmakers. And they're going to make it easier for you to collaborate. But also be sure to check out nofilmschool.com where we write about all kinds of filmmaking news, education, and tools. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Leave a comment. Let us know what you think. Send us your questions at editor at nofilmschool.com about your filmmaking process, your career, your journey, or just, you know, questions about the world or movies in general or television or whatever. We will answer it because we love hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening.